Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host Nick Lee. Glad to have you on board listening to Locked On Seahawks and making it your first listen five days a week. As we do on all of our Blue Friday shows, Nick and I are going to be diving into some keys to victory for the Seahawks heading into their season finale in Arizona against the Cardinals. We'll be dishing out our picks to click. And of course, making our final game predictions. Again, glad to have you on board listening to Locked On Seahawks as your first listen five days a week. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. There's still a game left to be played on Sunday. The Seahawks are out of the playoff race, though. And with Russell Wilson having a tough season, the Seahawks right now at six and ten. They're either going to be seven and ten or six and eleven to finish the season. There's already been tons of speculation about the future of Russell Wilson. And you and I both expected this, Nick, with the way the season played out, especially with Russell Wilson, what he did last offseason, airing his grievances about pass protection, play calling, not having enough involvement in personnel decisions, you name it. There were trade rumors flying everywhere. Then his agent released four teams he'd be willing to waive his no trade clause for, Nothing ended up happening. The Seahawks brought him back. He was still their quarterback. Everything everything kind of got put under the bridge, and they thought they were going to have another very good season, and that has not been the case. So no surprise here that Russell Wilson is being speculated as potentially going somewhere else. There's plenty of trade rumors out there. He's been asked about his future a lot, and I decided to enter the fray yesterday in Russell Wilson's press conference and I just asked him straight up because this is something that I've wondered about for a long time you have the no trade clause that gives you the ultimate ability to determine your fate the Seahawks can't trade you anywhere without your approval and only a handful of players have that power in the NFL Russell Wilson is one of them so he's talked about hoping he's going to be back with the Seahawks next season I straight up asked him why not just squelch those rumors and come out and definitively say you're going to be with the Seahawks if this is where you want to be, and this is what he had to say in a response. Well, I think, first of all, Corbin, you know, when it comes to no trade clause in sports, the main reason is for so, so, so teams can't trade somebody to anywhere. That's the number one reason, right? Because in sports, you know, you can wake up the next morning, you're gone somewhere else. That's the number one reason. I think the, that's the going back to your main question, though, you know, for me, uh, you know, I think what I'm really super passionate about, obviously, you know, my goal is to win more Super Bowls and, um, and my plan is to win them here. You know, it's, it's that simple. You know, I think that's uh, and so that that's, you know, there's nothing really else other than, other than that. So a lot to unpack here, Nick, from that response. And first and foremost, the explanation of how a no, no trade clause works. I was a little taken aback by that because, you know, obviously I know what a no trade clause is. And that's why I asked the question the way that I did. But of course, Uh, Maybe not a definitive statement, but says that he wants to win more Super Bowls and his plan is to do it here. What are your thoughts at this point on where we're at heading into the offseason when it comes to Russell Wilson's future as quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks? Well, I do think it's interesting that he keeps saying, I hope to be here. I hope this isn't my last game in Seattle. I hope to win more Super Bowls here. Um, As far as I'm concerned, it is completely up to him whether or not he stays in Seattle. That that is just that is my view. I I don't I don't think John Schneider and, and you know the, the brain trust of, of the Seahawks are meeting in a room somewhere. Like, All right, we got to trade Russell Wilson. Here we go. Where are we going to go? How, where, we can get picks from here. We can go. I don't see that happening. It's it's up to him. So 
him saying, I hope kind of says that, yeah, I really want to stay here on a few conditions. Yeah. And that that's, I think that's the, the big caveat here is what are those conditions? And it clearly that didn't happen this year. Um, you know, part of it was out of the control with the injuries and all, and all that stuff, but um, it did not work out this year. So I think the Seahawks really got to figure out what his, uh, what his contingencies, what is, what his conditions are to stay in Seattle because in, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it is completely up to him whether or not he wants to leave Seattle because they're not going to trade him unless he asks. And also, um, I just think Russell Wilson is one of the more well-trained, well-calculated athletes in professional sports. And everything that leaves his mouth in a press conference is calculated and and, and, and strategic. And I, I think that uh, that was definitely the case with the answer he gave you. Yeah, I look at the word plan as very similar to the word hope. And, you know, you might have changed up the verbiage, but plans change. That's the way that I look at this response. I I think it was somewhat revealing, but I still think he was pretty coy. And I wasn't surprised about that. And really, when you think about it, this is coming from the person that asked the question. I think it was a completely warranted question. I think that I was very professional about asking him about it. But, you know, it's it's smart on his part not to tip his cap too much if there's a thought in the back of his mind. If the organization doesn't do some of the things that I want them to do, I don't want to be here in the long run. And we don't know what those particular conditions are, but I agree with you. That's the way I interpreted it in real time when he said, I want to win more Super Bowls. I plan to win them here. That's what he wants to do. That's what he hopes to do. But I just feel like this is going to be another one of those situations where he is going to, you know, we don't know if it has anything to do with Pete Carroll's job security. We don't know if it has anything to do with John Schneider and the misses they've had in free agency and in the draft. You know, there's a number of factors at play here, but what does Russell Wilson want to stay in Seattle? And then I think this is the thing that nobody's talking about, really. Everybody's looking at it from Russell Wilson's perspective. And I agree with you, the Seahawks, they're not actively trying to move Russell Wilson. But what if he ends up throwing out a bunch of crazy demands that need to be met for him to want to stay in Seattle when he's already a $35 million a year quarterback that didn't play? like a $35 million a year quarterback this season. I think at that point, especially if you still got Pete Carroll and John Schneider running the show, which I think the Seahawks are going to make very few changes on that front. I think they're going to give Pete Carroll another year. I think they're going to give John Schneider another year. These guys just got extended. I can't see them moving on from them. I could see all three of these guys back next season. I'm actually leaning more towards that at this point, but Wilson might be the biggest X factor, the biggest wild card out of these three, because Pete Carroll and John Schneider, if it gets to the point where the demands Russell Wilson has are either not tenable or they don't fit with what the organization thinks they need to do to get this thing rolling in the right direction again, that is where John Schneider and Pete Carroll might have to have some hard discussions like, look, Russell Wilson's great, but his vision and our vision are not aligning at this point. And that's where that whole division talk between ownership, the GM, coach, and your star quarterback, that's where a lot of that speculation has come from the last couple of years. Are they not aligned? And so I think that's what makes all of this very fascinating with one game left to play, and then we're officially in the offseason. What are Russell Wilson's demands to stay here? Because I'm sure he has some. What is What needs to change for him to be happy here still and want to be the quarterback in Seattle and 
are Pete Carroll and John Schneider, A, going to be here, and B, if they are, are they going to want to give in to all of those demands if it doesn't fit with what their vision of the franchise is? And again, it just makes all this very fascinating and at the same time nerve-wracking for Seahawks fans. And I sure hope that when the time comes, you know, Russell Wilson's able to be specific on what his demands are and if they're you know reasonable. Because if it turns into a guessing game where the 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 coaches and the staff are trying to guess what he wants and make moves. I mean, it turns into minesweeper. I know you younger kids don't really know what that is. Um, you know, where you start clicking around, you know, things start opening. Oh, five points. Oh, oh, bomb. And it's the game's over. You know, oh, you sign this guy and he can't stand Russell. Or, you know, you don't want that type of situation. So when the time comes, the most we can really do is, is hope that one, like you mentioned, that the demands are reasonable, which, you know, they, we, we've we've heard of crazier things with quarterbacks making demands. There's a certain guy in Green Bay that's kind of played hardball a little bit too, and uh, you know, and and it's attainable for the Seahawks. So I think if he makes reasonable personnel requests, I think that the Seahawks should absolutely, you know, go in that direction and, and entertain that. You know, you don't want him to make you don't want to make Russell Wilson GM, head coach, and quarterback all at once. No, you know, those those guys are there for a reason. They're getting paid big bucks just like Wilson is to make those decisions, but. I think that both sides, you know, it's communication, it's communication, it's compromise, it's working together and how badly does each side want to stay here and work together. So those questions are going to be answered um, and not quickly, unfortunately, but um, it's, it's going to happen over the off season. Yep. We're going to have several weeks where there's going to be a lot of talk, a lot of chatter out there. There's going to be plenty of rumors that are not substantiated. That's the way that this business works, especially when you're talking about high profile quarterbacks. We got a taste of it last year. We're going to get an entire full course meal this offseason, unfortunately, whether you are ready for it or not. It's going to be fascinating, but again, a nerve-wracking experience for Seahawks fans, particularly the vast majority that want Russell Wilson to be under center when 2022 opens in August. We're going to get to our keys to victory going into the season finale. Seahawks heading to Arizona, what has been a house of horrors for them at State Farm Stadium they get to close out their 2021 season looking for their seventh victory. Nick and I will be outlining our keys to victory here in a moment. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in that plan. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy, you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring this time of year by like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? You don't have that problem with Built Bar, though. Covered in 100% real chocolate, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. So many great flavors. Coconut almond, my personal favorite, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, salted caramel. Built is coming out with new limited flavors all the time. So check out Built.com often. See what's new. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Hey, Seahawks fans. Check out this incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app. 
in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back, get upside. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for a 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's absolutely no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's the code TOUCHDOWN for 50 cents per gallon on your first tank. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. I'm Corbin Smith, joined by Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got a season finale coming up. No playoffs for the Seahawks this year, 6-10 and 10 going into this final game, but there's still plenty to play for, at least from the perspective that the Cardinals could still win the NFC West. And Nick, the Seahawks have a chance to maybe get a little revenge. 2017, the Cardinals came to town at CenturyLink Field, losing record, Bruce Arians, final game on the sidelines. They come in and upset the Seahawks and eliminate them from the playoffs. The Seahawks can't quite do that against the Cardinals, who have already clinched a playoff spot, but they can prevent them from winning the division and earning a home playoff game. So that is enough motivation usually for teams to play hard in their final game, especially you got to think Pete Carroll's brought that up to his players quite a bit this week. So let's talk keys to victory on offense starting. What do you think the Seahawks need to do offensively to go into Arizona and hand the Cardinals their sixth loss of the season? Well, I know this will be cliche, but third downs are huge. And third downs, you can usually look at the box score and and say, all right, which team was better at executing third downs and and better at forcing three and outs or forcing uh, third downs into fourth downs on defense? That team is usually going to be the winner. In, in the box score. And on this side of things, the statistics really do favor the Cardinals. Um, the Seahawks are 27th on offense and in third down conversions, and the Cardinals are a top five third down defense. So this is a, this is going to be a bit of a mismatch. And so I think that the Seahawks, you know, can use that quick passing game and stay on schedule. You know, those, those, those uh, cliches and not just avoid third and long, but I joked with, uh, with Rob a few weeks ago, um, and, and stay away also from not just third and long, but third and extra medium. <laughs> you know that, that <laughs> I don't know what that means. It just sounds you know, like third and six, you know, third, you know, stay third and short, you know, third and three, third and four, stay under five yards. You know, you can maybe get a free play. You get, get a free first down on a, on a penalty, that kind of stuff, but anything beyond five, you know, with, with, with how the offense has gone and how well the Cardinals are playing on defense, you don't want to put yourself into those situations. And part of that, you know, is is using guys like Rashad Penny. I'm going to go ahead and eat crow a little bit here. Rashad Penny has come on and been a fantastic revelation in the last few weeks. Just so much fun to watch. I know you're going to touch on this in a minute, but I want to take my turn to eat a little crow. And um, I'm happy. I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong. I know he's, this doesn't quite make up for three years of disappointment before this as a first round pick. But what he's done now, he absolutely, if in a vacuum last month. He's played like a first-round caliber running back. We've known that talent is there. The the spurts that he's shown the first three years where he's actually been healthy, he was always averaging a little over five yards per carry. So this is a guy that's been a dynamic, explosive runner. 
We just hadn't seen it for an extended period of time. And, and that leads into me being the running back guy. This should be a surprise. But in this particular game, when you have Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden rushing off the edge, one way that you can slow down potent edge rushers is running the football. And I look at this Cardinals team. Jordan Phillips has already been ruled out. They've got Zach Allen, who's around 285 pounds, plays defensive end, can reduce inside. He's questionable. This is a team that lacks depth and their defensive interior. And I feel like with the linebackers they have, players like Isaiah Simmons that are very talented players, but maybe not the biggest of linebackers, if you can win in the trenches in the interior and your big guys, your guards can climb to the second level and get up to players like Isaiah Simmons and Jordan Hicks, I feel like this is a Cardinals team. They're still giving up a little over 4.4 yards per carry this year. They were great against the Cowboys last week, but I still think this is a defense that you can absolutely run the football on. And I think the big way that they do that is winning between the tackles. And maybe that's been the most impressive part of Rashad Penny's revelation here these last four or five games. He hasn't been just winning, running outside. Has there been some times he's bounced runs? Absolutely. You don't want to completely take that out of his game with his explosiveness and his burst, but he's been much better about hitting creases between the tackles and running through the teeth of the defense and picking up big chunk yardage. That's going to be a big difference in this game from the first time these teams met. Penny got hurt in the first drive of the game after an 18-yard run. We don't know how that game plays out if he stays healthy because a speedy back with that can also break tackles like him could be a real problem for the Cardinals defense. I think you've got to have that run game. If they can, it makes it life a little bit tougher for those edge rushers to be able to pin their ears back, and it makes life easier on Russell Wilson setting up your play-action game. And you see on Twitter those like prayer circle tweets like with this house of horrors and injuries that you've seen with the Cardinals. I don't I hate to even speak it into existence, but please let's let's keep Rashad Penny that prayer circle tweet going for Rashad Penny's health for this game uh, in, in a in a stadium where many a Seahawk has 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 found themselves unfortunately in the injury tent. So uh, I think Rashad Penny is is a big big key here. And on defense, I, I think that one of the things that I, I'm a I come from a family of Eagles fans. My, my dad's from Philly. They are huge Zach Ertz fans. And they were devastated when Zach Ertz was traded to the Cardinals, as many uh, Eagles fans were. And I think the Seahawks are need to be wary that he could devastate the Seahawks, <laughs> especially with the absence. Now, the, the Seahawks are completely depleted at strong safety. And you have to, you have to, be, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, he's, he's no dummy. He knows this. And Zach Ertz, I mean, naturally the Seahawks have always struggled defending tight ends. Now you got an all pro caliber tight end against a defense that is severely lacking in depth at safety. That spells trouble. Yeah, Nigel Warrior or Josh Jones likely to be the starter this week with Ryan Neal now on the COVID list. Jamal Adams done for the season. Maybe Ugo Amadi moves over there too. He's played some strong safety even at his size, but that would be a huge size mismatch going against Zach Ertz. Yeah. That is a terrifying matchup. I'm sure Rob and I will be breaking that down on our matchup Saturday episode because that is certainly one that is troublesome going into this game. I'm going to just go with kind of, you know, maybe a little more of a generic key here, but you want to make the Cardinals one dimensional. And I think doing that and making them throw the football because they don't have DeAndre Hopkins, they're not going to have Rondale Moore, still have weapons. I mean, AJ Green's a future Hall of Fame receiver potentially. Christian Kirk's done damage against the Seahawks. 
Antoine Wesley has good size. I mean, they have some good receivers even without Hopkins and more, but those are two big weapons missing for them. I think if the Seahawks, and this is a big if with Cody Barton replacing Bobby Wagner, Barton did play well last week. If Barton and Brooks do a good job in the middle, James Conner's not able to get going in the run game. The Cardinals averaged less than three yards per carry in that first matchup. If the Seahawks can do that again defensively and really hold down the Cardinals run game, make Arizona one-dimensional with two of their top receivers out. I still think Kyler Murray is a quarterback, and he's done this recently. He will uncork some errant throws. He'll make some poor decisions with the football. He's thrown some picks over the past three or four games. That was a big reason they were struggling and lost three games in a row. I think you can make that happen if you can hold James Conner. Maybe Eno Benjamin's going to play. They're not going to have Chase Edmonds. But you hold that running game down, and you really force the Cardinals to beat you with a one-dimensional attack. They've had their trouble when they've tried to air it out 50, 55 times a game. So put them in that position. And I absolutely think the Seahawks give themselves a better chance, especially after creating three turnovers against the Lions last week. They've got some good mojo going with the turnover bug finally. Maybe you can get a few picks against Kyler Murray. And on the road, that could be a real equalizer. So I think stopping the run, and I agree with you, Zach Ertz has got to be the number one focal point in the passing game given the lack of depth, that strong safety. Slow him down. Force Kyler Murray to beat you with some backup receivers on the outside. Make him one-dimensional. I think it gives the Seahawks a better chance to escape their house of horrors that is State Farm Stadium with a victory to close out the season. We're going to get to our picks to click and our game predictions here in a moment. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the best sports wagers action in 2022. It's a new year with new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today on Bet Online and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined by Nick Lee. Let's move into our picks to click. It's been a few weeks since I've done this with you, but you had a really nice pick on offense last week going with DK Metcalf, who all he did was go out and get three touchdown receptions in a game for the first time in his NFL career. So who is your pick this time around on offense with the Seahawks traveling to finish their season off against the Arizona Cardinals? Well, I thought about doing Rashad Penny as kind of like a repentance pick and you know eating crow, <laughs> but then you're like, no, every time you pick Rashad Penny, Something bad happens, and I don't want to. I don't want to wish that in the universe again. So I will refrain from that again. I, once again, I I'm eating a little bit of crow from Rashad Penny. I'm gonna go a bit off the beaten path. Colby Parkinson made a nice catch, and and can and he found himself a bit more involved lately, uh, and especially the last game against the Lions. And you know, I, everyone, I, th- I think my grandma got involved with the offense on with, against the Lions. That was a that was quite a showing. Um, but with the with the health you know, concerns about Will Disley and some of the other offensive pieces. You you, you maybe want to have Kobe Parkinson get involved again. I'm not saying he's going to go, you know, eight catches for hundred yards and two scores or something, but a key first down here, maybe a touchdown, you know, four or five catches for 60 yards and a touchdown, I think would be a solid, solid game. 
for a guy like Colby Parkinson. I don't know if he'll get that many targets, but I, I would watch out for him to make maybe a, a key catch or two like he has done a couple times in the past. He has not scored a touchdown yet in the NFL. It really feels like he's overdue. If you watch him on the training camp field, he was one of their best players in August. And obviously that doesn't always translate to success in games, but he is getting a little bit more involved. If you don't have Will Disley, who's questionable playing this game, he is going to get plenty of snaps then. He's going to get his opportunities. We'll see if Russell Wilson targets him. I'm going to stay in the passing game, but – I thought about Tyler Lockett because he's played so well in Arizona over the years, and maybe he still has a big game. But at some point, D. Eskridge is going to have that breakout game. And, and this is an opponent that I could see it happening against, and here's why. D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, downfield receivers. D. Eskridge can do that as well, but this is a Cardinals team that has not given up a lot of big plays. They have given up the third fewest receptions of 20-plus yards in the NFL They've got two really good safeties. Their corners are really solid young players, Byron Murphy. I mean, this is an all-Washington secondary. They've gone up to the Pacific Northwest and got players that have made one of the better young secondaries in the league. They just don't give up a lot of big plays over the top. However, this is a team that if you can get some of that underneath passing game going, particularly to the slot and create after the catch, that you might be able to break a few big plays. And we know D. Eskridge is capable of doing that. It's just been a struggle for the Seahawks to get him involved in their offense. We have seen small little sparks. I think that we see a full fire in this game. I think Eskridge catches seven passes for 74 yards and a touchdown. And I think that if he's able to do that, it gives the Seahawks a lot more balance in their passing game which would only help their chances of coming out of Arizona with a victory. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a type of player where you can get creative to involve him. And it, it's been a struggle really to, to get him consistently involved. I think his, his game high, uh, their season high targets for one game is four targets. And that was against the Rams. And actually in that game, he had zero catches. So you know, in a game where he has catches, he's only getting two or three targets a game. I think he should, I think the Seahawks should make a point to set a season high for him for targets on Sunday. Let's look at the defensive side of the football now. And I just have a feeling that you're going to be going with an old standby that you have picked several times this year, particularly against a team that likes to throw the football like the Arizona Cardinals do. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been tooting Daryl Taylor's horn for all, all season before the season started. You know, maybe it's because I'm, I'm a little bit emotionally attached to him as I actually got to watch him play in person in college. And I, I just liked what I saw off the page. I mean, he, I watched him play again at Tennessee uh, against BYU. And I'm like, who's this guy? And he's BYU ended up winning the game, but he was a guy that's just constantly, you know, making plays. And I just think he's got that athleticism that could match Kyler Murray. And I, I know maybe not, you know, in a foot race or whatever, that's not maybe not the case, but. You know, just athletically on defense, especially in that front seven, he's a guy that could match up and make a play, make a sack, make a key tackle when a two-yard scramble could have easily been a 20-yard scramble. You know, that kind of thing against uh, Kyla Murray. So that stuff's kind of important. So I'm just a huge fan of what he's accomplished this year, six sacks. I'd love to see him get to seven sacks and just have a really strong finish to what has been a very strong, you know, faux, you know, rookie season, sophomore year. I'm going to go with a revenge game in the secondary. Sidney Jones, I still think there's a lot of people to this day that disagree with me, but I still think he had an interception against Colt McCoy in that game. 
there's a lot of people that say, oh, he didn't secure the ball. You know, the ball hit the ground. I thought he had possession. I still stand by that. I think he makes up for that in this game. I mentioned it in the second segment on our show today. Kyler Murray has had a propensity at times to make some poor decisions with the football, especially since he came back from his injury. I think, especially without two of his top receivers, he's going to try to force the football a few times. And I think Sidney Jones is going to get a little bit of revenge and get that first pick of the year. DJ Reed was finally able to do it with two picks against the Lions last week. Obviously a, a far inferior opponent with a backup quarterback. But I think Sidney Jones is going to have a pick and two pass breakups in this game. I think we're going to see number 23, number 23 come back from the COVID list and continue to play at a high level as he has for a good chunk of the second half of the season. And so if they're able to, again, they can create turnovers in this game. If they're able to do that. That really plays to the visiting team in a game that the Cardinals still have a lot to play for. The Seahawks, from a standings perspective, don't, but they want to finish the year on a strong note. I think Sidney Jones has a great opportunity here. So he's going to be my defensive pick of the click, my defensive pick to click, getting an interception against Kyler Murray. All right, predictions time now, Nick. Normally, this is just you. I usually dish out my prediction on Crossover Thursday, but. Some of the hosts in our network, we have different show schedules that we do week in, week out, which I enjoy. I like doing some different things. So I have not had a chance to dish out my prediction yet. Let's start with you. Who wins this football game? Do the Seahawks end on a two-game winning streak, or does an ugly season end in defeat in Arizona? Well, uh, a few things are at play. Obviously, the Cardinals have a lot to play for. They have, they legit have a, have hopes of a division championship, which should motivate anyone with a pulse on that team. And the Seahawks want to play spoiler. And you know Pete Carroll will just have those guys ready to play because that's just the kind of coach he is. Um, but a few things make me nervous. The, the third down disparity, the third down you know, statistics between Seahawks offense and, and Arizona's defense make me nervous. Uh, the matchup with Zach Ertz against a depleted safety group makes me very nervous. That stadium makes me very nervous. <laughs> I just in general, that every time I hear, you know, I guess, that's not University of Phoenix. There's a state farm now. Uh, every time I hear that name, I get I get a little you know bubble guts like oh I hate I don't like that place, just from a, a Seahawks perspective. And so just a few as far as things that weigh in, I could see this uh, scenario where the Seahawks win. Rashad Penny is just as hot as anybody in the National Football League right now, which is awesome. But I'm not sure it's going to be enough. I I just think that there's too much working against the Seahawks. There's a lot of motivation on the other side, and um, when, when you're talking division championship and playoff seedings. They have a ton to play for. They're uber talented. I, I think the Cardinals are going to win a close one. I'm going to go 27-23 Cardinals. Maybe they get a late touchdown to pull ahead. Absolutely going to be competitive. I think the Seahawks will absolutely be in this game in the fourth quarter. They really don't know how to play any other side, style of football besides, you know, heartburn. It's just, it's never over till it's over. Uh, for better or for worse. Some, usually it's for worse as far, you know, they're winning and then they sign, somehow make a, make a way to, to make it closer than it should have been. But on this side, maybe it's a bit different. So I'm going to go 27, 23 Cardinals, a close, uh, unfortunate loss for the Seahawks that in, in some ways kind of encapsulates a, a very frustrating season. Well, I'm four and 12 making predictions this year. And so YOLO Seahawks win this one 30 to 28. I just, I am buying the fact that this offense is much tougher to defend when they have a run game, I've always prescribed to that idea. The, the people that think you can just throw the ball 60 times a game and consistently have success 
in the National Football League, you got to be able to run the ball. And I think the Seahawks will be able to run the ball against this Cardinals defense with Rashad Penny. I think Travis Homer and DJ Dallas are also going to get an opportunity to make an impact out of the backfield. I like that group behind the offensive line, the way that the line is playing. Jake Curhan has brought a lot of physicality at right tackle. If Phil Haynes plays right guard, I don't see it being that big of a drop-off from Gabe Jackson. It might actually be an upgrade in the run-blocking department. But this is a group that's playing with some physicality and nastiness up front. The Cardinals are shorthanded in the interior on their defensive line. I just think there's a lot of things working in Seattle's favor. Now, if they can't run the football and Russell Wilson's got to drop back against that pass rush a bunch without the threat of a consistent run game, this game could get really ugly because Chandler Jones, he already has like a thousand career sacks against the Seahawks. He would have a field day if they can't run the ball, but I think they'll be able to. And I think the defense is going to create a few turnovers, including that Sidney Jones interception that I mentioned. So I think you win the turnover battle, you run the football, you can go into Arizona and end their NFC West championship dreams. And I'm going to go out with a bang prediction-wise, and we'll see if I get lucky. This will be the first time this year I get back-to-back predictions correct if it happens. We'll see if it does. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. If you're not a huge baseball fan, well, right now he isn't tweeting a lot about baseball because of what's going on. So maybe this is your time to still see some Seahawks related tweets on his Twitter. You can find us on Spotify, Apple podcast, the new Odyssey app, all major platforms for free five days a week. Just check out locked on Seahawks. Coming up tomorrow, going to have a special edition matchup Saturday show. Weren't able to do it on Wednesday due to some off-the-mic complications. But Rob and I will be getting back together and we'll be discussing all the key matchups to watch when the Seahawks are on offense and defense going up against the Cardinals in their season finale at State Farm Stadium. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.